Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to Power to the Pod. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and this is Locked On Dolphins. Power to the Pod is your show, your questions, your topics discussed regarding our Miami Dolphins. Looking forward to digging into plenty of questions that we have today. Training camp is open. Uh, Strength and conditioning program is underway. We have welcomed back Jerome Baker to the practice field. Jerome Baker, linebacker who was placed on the reserve COVID list just a few days ago over the weekend. Uh, He's already been activated and he is on the practice field this morning, as we can tell by the Miami Dolphins social media account, uh, posting an amazing video of Jerome howling like a banshee coming out of the locker room for the on-field strength conditioning program uh, this morning. So, power to the pot. It's crazy to believe we've almost done 25 of these things by now, but if you are uninitiated, read reviews of this the show that include questions and Twitter questions over at Locked on Fins with a PH. And uh, we've got over 20-something questions to get into today. If I don't get all of them, I am the managing editor over at usatodaysdolphinswire.com. I try and take some of the ones I don't get and turn them into written content over at Dolphins Wire. If they are NFL draft related, I am also the director of scouting over at thedraftnetwork.com. And I try to tackle those questions as needed over there. So let's get into the iTunes reviews first and foremost today, starting with... A question that I have gotten quite a bit, and it's, what do I use to intro the podcast? What's the name of the song? It's Blow Up by Nefex, and it's a copyright-free artist who has his music available on YouTube. And I definitely wanted to make sure for any introductory stuff that I did, I I wasn't stepping on any artist's toes by using something that was copyrighted that I didn't have access to. So, Nefex, N-E-F-F-E-X. Name of the song is Blow Up. The other question I have from iTunes comes from perhaps my favorite user name that I have encountered, Adam Gase's Burner. (laughs) Kyle, love the show. Thank you. Haven't missed an episode in months. Thank you. Question for the podcast. In the expected base nickel defense, does Bobby McCain move back into the slot nickel corner role Does Igbo assume that nickel role or have a potential future at safety? McCain's body doesn't look capable of holding up for 16 games at safety. Do we see guys like Adrian Colbert or Brandon Jones push for a starting spot? Yeah, so this is a great question. There's a lot of layers here as far as what we can see the Dolphins do. If the Dolphins come across teams that run a lot of 11 personnel, which is one running back and one tight end on the field simultaneously, You'll see the, a ton of nickel, and you'll probably see like a true nickel with three corners on the field at the same time. There's different kinds of nickel packages. Another one is big nickel, which is instead of bringing on an additional 
cornerback, you bring on an additional safety who kind of plays like a hybrid. Think Patrick Chung with the Patriots, and that's what I think Brandon Jones will be. I think Brandon Jones will be the big nickel for the Dolphins' defense this year. Where does Adrian Colbert fit into that mix? That's uh, not an easy question to answer. Um, I think he's going to be a strong depth piece for Miami, but I don't necessarily know that unless Bobby McCain totally flops or unless the Dolphins need Bobby McCain back at corner because of injuries at the corner position, I don't think you're going to see Adrian Colbert come in very high amount of the snaps. I think Bobby is your base free safety and a nickel defense. If we're going to go nickel heavy, we'll bring back an in, bring off an interior defensive lineman. And in that big nickel role, Brandon Jones will come onto the field. And if we're going to run regular nickel, like a 4-2-5, then you'll probably see the Dolphins run in Igbo at that point in time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Dolphins be up there towards the top of the NFL in six defensive back sets. And that's where... You could see Brandon Jones kind of as a nickel linebacker slash safety hybrid and Eric Rowe kind of man coverage up against tight ends. The Dolphins, this secondary is going to be mainly rooted in interchangeability and being able to play a guy at free safety or strong safety or down in the slot, playing man-to-man. That's the value of having so many safeties that have corner experience Regardless of how an offense tries to motion or shift or overload or flood you, you can interchange the assignments because everybody has man-to-man potential. That's kind of my base feeling as it pertains to the Dolphins' secondary. Twitter questions. Sean, what improvements do you see the defense having from a statistical standpoint, interceptions, sacks, yards allowed, etc., that we should show that our, we are on the right track with improving the defense. Uh, I think generating turnovers and negative plays is the big one. On Friday last week, I talked about as far as a measure for two, and I saw another question related to this uh, from Alejo that I'm going to get to in here in just a second. But that the, the concept that I talked about on Friday was adjusted net yards per attempt for quarterbacks. And, you know, if you meet a certain threshold, it's very promising for your future. It's less about the raw production. And in my eyes, it's more about negative plays that you can create. So Dolphins, I want to see, first of all, I'd like to see more one-on-one wins in the pass rush. I'd like to see a bigger presence around the pocket of getting your hands up batting down some footballs. But the Dolphins need to hunt. They need to hunt the football in both pass rush situations, pressure and blitz situations, and when the ball is in the air. Now, when the Dolphins are playing press man defense, which they're going to play a lot of, it'll be interesting to see the cat and mouse game of, you know, how often is Byron Jones going to be able to convert and get his eyes back and find the football and create turnovers? That's been the big knock on Byron Jones. But you're going to be hard-pressed to find a worse pass rush situation for Miami than what you had last year. Can you third down defense? You know, if you're leading a game in the fourth quarter, can you close these games? Can you... Take advantage of your money downs. Third down is the money down, right? It's offense. You convert on third downs. You're going to score points. Defense, you get off the field on third down. 
you're going to have a successful day. That, for me, third down defense, two-minute drill, turnovers, these are all things that the Dolphins should be looking for significant statistical improvement in. And don't look at maybe the raw numbers at the end of the year. If they play Kansas City and Kansas City puts 45 on them, tip your cap. But that might be two games worth of output from other teams uh, that the Dolphins play on their schedule. So that would be where I would start. Third down efficiency, sack production, and created turnovers. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Whether you're looking for engine control modules or brake parts, tail lamps, or even motor oil, you can find everything you need on one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. And best of all, the prices at RockAuto.com are the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else? and spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Visit rockauto.com today and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Getting into Alejo's question, which is, how does Chan Gailey's offense lend itself to Tua Tungavailoa hitting the 5.5 adjusted net yards per attempt threshold that we talked about on Friday's show as a critical tell for young quarterbacks to either be an indicator for future success or future concern regarding their play at the pro level. And it's a reasonable question, right? Because the Dolphins, we've talked about, they're going to play in a little bit of a box. They're not going to be a team that pushes the ball of Bruce Arians and launch it. Average depth of target is 13, 14 yards downfield. It's not the style of play that the Dolphins are going to embrace. The Dolphins are going to space the field. They're going to get the ball out of Tua's hands quickly. And that brings me back to my same point. Adjusted net yards per pass attempt is more of a statistic of avoiding negative plays than it is a statistic of pushing the ball vertically down the field. Because you should, theoretically, have a very high completion percentage. You should, theoretically, not be in a position to take a bunch of extra pressures and sacks because the ball is going to be out of your hands. It's the plays in which, you know, even if you're getting four yards, dink and dunk and here and there and dumping it off underneath, If you're not taking the negative 13-yard sacks or the negative 7-yard plays because of sacks and pressures and and putting your offense behind the sticks and staying proficient, that's the biggest part of the battle. That's the part that the Dolphins are going to have to monitor with Tua. If he is smart with the football and handles pressure well when he is faced with it, he will meet that threshold perfectly fine. But a very good question from Alejo. Uh, Jake, the XFL will do well again if The Rock waits until after COVID and doesn't change many rules. So this is more of a declarative statement. And I agree, The Rock is one of the most impressive businessmen on the scene. And uh, if I was going to pick somebody to make the XFL a success, it would be the guy in The Rock 
who has had success with literally, not literally, but effectively everything he's touched has been successful. And he's got a great marketing eye. He's got a great brand. He stands for all the right things. I think The Rock picked a great investment with the XFL. There's clearly a market for a secondary spring football league, but you got to get the marketing right. And it's important. Listen, you know, the XFL the second time around, it looked like a promising product. There was enough ingenuity and new experiences there that it was a positive experience to watch on television. Was the quality of the product very good? No, not necessarily. But that's what happens when your your salary, because you're trying to get off the ground, is not measurable versus the NFL. I agree with that take from Jake, though. A question from Leon. With the International Series canceled for this season, can you see the Dolphins playing in London the following year? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, seems like the, the Dolphins being one of the teams that have uh, one of the best followings overseas in the UK, uh, they are well-positioned to continue to be featured, and I understand Dolphins fans, you don't want to lose a home game, right? I get it. I know I'm a grew up in central Pennsylvania, so from a basketball perspective, y'all are going to kill me, but I'm a 76ers fan, and I had season tickets for a few years, and we lost a Sixers-Celtics home game to go play in O2 Arena over in London, and it was like a, a either like Christmas or New Year's Day type of game, and either we were going to go or we were going to sell the tickets and we we're going to make a bunch of money off the tickets. So, like, yeah, it stinks to lose a home game to overseas. But selfishly, the only reason you can be adverse to it is selfishly because your rooting interest, you want to see your team at home as much as possible. But the team being an ambassador for other fans around the world, I think is a good thing. And there are positives to that being a dynamic that the Dolphins have to juggle a little bit. So... I get both sides of the coin. I've experienced it as a season ticket holder for another sport, losing a, a home game, and it's not fun, but at the same time, getting more people to rally around your team is a fun side product of that. Joe wants to know, thoughts on Gary Jennings having a breakout year and being wide receiver four or three in the death chart? So yeah, I just joined uh, the Joe Rose Show this morning and talked with Joe, and, and Joe asked me specifically about the wide receiver room, and he asked me, you know, it seems like we're going to stay stock here with the top six wide receivers in the group, and you know, if I felt differently, and I said Gary Jennings was really the only one that I could see possibly pushing to make the 53, just because of his burst and speed and experience in a spread offense and working in the slot and spread offense at the college level West Virginia. He was a fourth-round pick. He got cut from Seattle for uh, some some availability and depth issues that Seattle had made him expendable, and the Dolphins plucked him off of waivers before they could get him on the practice squad. So I did mention Gary. If there was going to be a surprise upset in the receiver room, Gary was the name that I pegged as that potential candidate. Do I think he could get the wide receiver three or four? I mean, everything would have to go right. right? If he's going to pass Jakeem Grant, it's going to be Preston Williams, who – cleared for football activities, and that's a huge win for Miami. Devontae Parker and Gary Jennings over like Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. It would be a best-case scenario for Miami to have a waiver wire hit that goes off that hard. Cliffy Mack with a good question. Would you rather have Robert Hunt play at the level of a top 10 guard or a top 25 tackle? Jesse Davis would play the remaining open position. 
I'm at the point now where I want the best possible combination of five. What does that look like? Well, if Robert Hunt's going to be a top 10 guard, that's a pretty big asset. And if I know in the coming offseason, I could attack the offensive tackle position again to get another asset into the group, then I would probably tackle Robert Hunt at guard and then go look for another top-tier tackle. Uh, I know the positional value of offensive tackle is is greater because of pressure off the edge, but uh, especially in this offense, this team is going to try and run the ball downhill. And if they have success running the ball downhill, those guards are going to be good assets. And because of the style of the passing game, you're probably going to try to keep opposing teams off balance a little bit more. You can mitigate some of that pressure. I can live with more sporadic tackle play in the here and now because I'm going to get a, a really like blue chip plus asset on the inside. Politically fin correct. With more and more players opting out for this season, do you see teams overpaying for available free agencies of Phil Ross or spots? No, I do not. And here's why. Uh, the NFL is working to do their absolute best to manufacture enough cap space for each of the teams with from a rollover perspective uh, to kind of help minimize the impact of the salary cap dip next year. So they just announced that signing bonuses are going to be prorated and roll over year over year. So teams are going to get millions and millions and millions of dollars of salary cap space at their disposal for the 2020 season. And they're going to need to hoard that space to make sure that they keep what they have available to them to roll over and help them avoid having to cut tons and tons and tons and tons of players. So that is the challenge that teams are going to have to face and find a balance with. And I think you're going to see teams continue to remain thrifty with the players they have at their disposal because they have to. Next question comes from David Sue. So what's the best approach Miami has to containing scrambling quarterbacks now that we have two in our division? I think you have to contain rush. Right, I think that's something that the Dolphins have not done a good job. I don't think their rushers have either been skilled in 2019 or disciplined in, in 2018 against Josh Allen, hypothetically. And, and quite frankly, for a really long time, as far as you know, containing quarterbacks within the pocket, you know, rushing, but rushing with the intent of boxing them in instead of just trying to get there and giving up contain. And, and that's a whole mess that the Dolphins you know, quite frankly, have not been very good at for a while. You know, mobile quarterbacks have given them problems. So I think maintaining and contain rushing to box them into the pocket, hoping to collapse around them with so many power-oriented players, and then, you know, getting your most athletic guys to shoot gaps and blitz. You know, you contain, but you bring an extra guy up an interior gap, and you got a guy in his face, and then he looks to flush, and he rolls into somebody, and it's a sack. I think that's probably the Dolphins' best blueprint, and they have the bodies to be able to accomplish that now with Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson and Christian Wilkins and Yvonne Gotcha, all pocket pushers, right? So that would be how I would work upon trying to maintain the integrity of the pocket. 
William, if you were to build a team from the NFC East position groups, what would it look like? Quarterback from the Dolphins, running back from what team? Will, this is a good question. This is probably a full show. So I'm going to sit on this topic for later this week and kind of build an all AFC East using the rooms of teams at our disposal. Um, Mike, what would you think of the Dolphins extending Rosen to a long-term deal on the cheap now to keep him affordable and more attractive as a potential trade chip for later? Also, if Rosen almost beats out Fitz, I don't see how two won't have a real chance. Just saying. I think this is reasonable. Uh, I'd be interested in what Rosen's willingness is to talk contract. He's going to want to maximize his value, and hitting the market is probably a more attractive option for him. Uh, If the Dolphins can get him in an agreeable contract, then perhaps, yeah, maybe that's something that they could explore. Um, But I feel like it's a little premature to lock Josh in just because Josh is a probably going to want to get a chance to play and B is going to want to maximize his value and signing a contract just to be content to stay on a team at this point when he's had two years and really quite frankly, didn't have much of a shot in the eye the two years that he's played thus far uh, is a tough sell for me. So maybe, but they'd have to get Josh to be open and, and ready to sit down and talk at the table. That is going to do it for us here today on the show. Really appreciate all the questions as always. If you have questions, topics, conversation points, hot takes, you can leave them on Twitter at LockedOnDolphins with a PH, or you can leave a five-star review of the show, and I will make sure I read each one of those five-star review questions and topics. Really shamelessly like the five-star reviews. I'm Kyle Krabs. I hope you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week and keep an eye on the horizon for some more Dolphins news with the team back at training camp and well underway with their strength and conditioning program. Kyle Krabs signing off. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.